back to Area 51 and a half, where we talk about all things science fiction, horror, fantasy, and pop culture. I am your host, John Allen, and with me as always is my co-host. Snyderman501, Nick Snyder. Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. Oh, they can find us on Twitter at the Area 51H. That is the same thing for Instagram and TikTok. And aliens, don't forget to like, rate, and follow us on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to join us on our Facebook page. Indeed. Nick, I finally, 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 finally got to see Top Gun Maverick. So what you're saying is that you finally got to see Finally, Top Gun. yes. Finally. All right. Oh. So what would you think? Well, the thing of it is, it's it's so much has been going on. It's been hard to actually get to the movies. I know. I know. Well, here's the thing. It has raked in over a billion dollars at the box office. They did this thing so well. I mean, it's it's amazing because, well, first of all, there was decades between Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick. So they had time to craft a really good story. Indeed. And my gosh, what a fun movie this is. And it's so much fun to watch Tom Cruise, who built his career being a cocky young man yep. in most of his most of the movies just sort of playing that that um fight authority and 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 show him how it's done and and dance to his own drum and and, yeah. and just be kind of cocky that way and then we see Maverick who is older and wiser and still cocky but in a very different way. So he has the uh, the background to back he, up his cockiness. Yes, he's got the experience. He's got, and so what the basic plot is is that he is brought back to Top Gun as an instructor because he they have to send these young Top Guns on basically a suicide mission. Ooh, neat. and of course Tom Cruise, Maverick, sits there and says, "No, no, that's not my mission. My mission is to get them to come back." To not lose anybody. That's that's so, good. Yeah, and you have that sort of shadow of the past where he lost Goose. Mm. Okay. And one of like Goose's son is one of the Top Guns. Oh, cool. Yeah. Is that, uh, take it that's Miles Teller's character. That's Miles cool. Teller's character. Cool. I like Miles. So Teller. this is a really really good movie, and it starts off. I've never seen a movie start off this way. It starts off with a little message from Tom Cruise saying how much you're going to like the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Because, you know, they, they really thought about it and they crafted it. And But here here's the thing, Nick, and I really hope they, they do this because we know in Hollywood, and we're going to actually talk about that a little bit later in the program, it made over a billion dollars. Yep. It would be a mistake, I feel, to make another Top Gun movie. From an artistic standpoint, of From course. an artistic standpoint, because you have a nice bookend of Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick, with nothing in between other than what they tell us in Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. I do not want them to make a Top Gun 3 because it made so much money. I don't want them to do that because you have crafted two excellent stories. Now, would you say that the two stories are kind of... Like, could you watch Top Gun Maverick without really without watching the first one? Um, I, I, no, they didn't write it that way, honestly, because like I said, there's so much going on with the backstory with Goose and Iceman and, you know, Mm -hmm. the other Top Guns that Maverick went there with and Val Kilmer's in it. Oh, cool. So 
you really have to know the background. You For have him. to you have to know it, otherwise it doesn't make as much sense. Not the way that when I saw Downton Abbey in New Era, where they sat there and they said, "Oh, okay, I don't know the background of all these characters, but I can follow this." Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah, it's, you know, it's soaring, <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> above everything else in the box office. And I wouldn't be surprised with that kind of dollar amount if we're not going to see that Top Gun Maverick is one of the movies that will be nominated for Best Picture. Well, yeah, and as far as a sequel goes, I think that's really going to be in Tom Cruise's court. Because I think he's really the driving force behind this movie. It seems to me like he's setting up for his retirement. Because Tom Cruise is going to be 60 next year. Oh, that's wild. Because, and honestly, every time I think about Tom Cruise, as you said before, I think about that young, cocky guy who, like, you look at um, Risky Business and, and movies like that. He, he always played, um, I don't want to say a jerk, but this very no, not, cocksure. Yeah, not, not a jerk, but I mean, like, there's always those guys, they know they're handsome, they know they're talented, they know they've got, uh, they're, they're very sure of themselves. Yeah. yeah, and he's got that slightly slappable face to just make it... <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I mean. Right? I don't know if he's got a slightly slappable face. Slightly, not but, completely. But I mean, the the nice thing is, though. I mean, with the Mission Impossible series, that's gonna the next one's gonna be a two parter. So I think he's wrapping that up. I think, yeah. I think he's he's sort of putting a nice bow on his career. I'm not saying that he's done, but I, I think he's just putting a nice bow on it and says, okay, this I've done everything that I need to do. I've wrapped up everything that I want to wrap up, and whatever comes comes. And speaking of things to come, Nick, you have been keeping an eye on the San Diego Comic-Con and all the things that have been announced therein. Oh my god, some of the stuff I've seen, and not just the movie stuff, like some of the merchandise I've seen coming in the year, specifically from NECA, is fantastic looking. I've seen some of the costumes that have been at Comic-Con, I've seen some of their booth setups. Oh, man. It, lo it looks like a wonderful show. I want to go one year. It is absolutely well, fantastic. Well, San Diego Comic-Con is the big kahuna of all Comic-Cons. It really, really is, and they show it every single year. So what are some of the things you saw in NECA? Oh, NECA? Like? Um, they got a new Ninja Turtles series, which really looks good. But one of the things that really, really caught my eye... You remember the television show Dinosaurs, right? Yeah. So NECA are releasing Earl and the Baby <laughs> in a seven-inch line, and I'm just like, oh, that's going to hurt my wallet. But <laughs> it looks great. The Hasbro showed off a bunch of Star Wars stuff, showed up a bunch, a bunch of Transformers stuff, including a figure of Star Saber, who's a bit more of an obscure uh, Transformers character, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that release as well. Um, so one of the first movies that we saw on, I believe the Thursday night, was the Dungeons and Dragons movie. So they're doing a, a movie based on the tabletop game, Dungeons and Dragons. Very famous game, as I'm sure most people who are listening to this know about it. I played it back in the day. Yeah, I've played it as well. It's a lot of fun. I was part of the Hellfire Club. There you go. I was not. <laughs> I was, I don't even know what our club was called. But anyway, whatever. So... We have Chris Pine. The cast includes Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, and Hugh Grant, clearly as a very, very tea-sipping English wizard. Because <laughs> you even see him sipping tea. It looks... I mean, I'm, I'm going to hold judgment until I see it. Because they've done Dungeons & Dragons before, and it wasn't all that great. But anyway. It feels like it's about two decades old. Yeah... Yeah, I wasn't going to say that, but you're right. You're it, right. It does. It, it feels like 
uh, a movie that they, the trailer anyway, felt like a movie that they would have put out 20 years ago. Yeah, back in 2002, I, I can totally, honestly, what it looks like is, to me, was one of those, like, high fantasy sorcerer and sword TV shows that they filmed back in the early 2000s in New Zealand. Yeah. Like a Rob Tappert type or, or like maybe like Dragonheart or something yeah, like that, you know? Yeah, But whatever. I like Chris Pine. I love Michelle Rodriguez to death, and I can tolerate Hugh Grant. So <laughs> I will happily watch this. That'll be fine. Uh, another movie we're looking forward to is Shazam! Fury of the Gods. I am so looking forward to that. I loved the first Shazam. This one has Helen Mirren in it. It does. We love and us some Helen Mirren. Yeah, I am I am excited for that. I'm excited for Zachary Levi back, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, that segues into Black Adam. Now, John, we, we need to talk a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about Black Adam, but we need to talk about the panel itself, because something neat happened. <laughs> but Black Adam... Uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, comes up on this big pillar to make it look like he's flying amongst lightning. It looks so cool. Black Adam looks like a killer film. I love anti-heroes, and I'm really... like They've been talking about Dwayne Johnson playing Black Adam for well over a decade. This movie has been... In my sights forever. I can't wait to see this. And obviously at some point, Black Adam and Shazam are going to yeah, cross. Yeah, and that's what I'm really looking forward to. Because I think, one, this is this looks like a different character than Dwayne Johnson would normally play. Because normally Dwayne Johnson plays characters that are very akin to The Rock, which he has said is him with the volume turned up to 11. Right. But this is a darker character than he's played on the yeah because usually he's playing likable guys right like if you think about rampage you know what partly what made rampage watchable was first of all the nostalgia of it but then you had um dwayne johnson being very likable in it with the the story with him and george which made so much sense for a movie version right and then you had jeffrey dean morgan playing a Basically, a, a nice version of Negan. Oh, I love from that. From Walking Dead. I love that. And so it was a watchable movie. It was fun to watch. It was fun for me because I really loved Rampage. So when we talk about The Rock, we're used to him playing heroes. Yeah, Not yeah. anti-heroes or well, people that become villains later on. The only character in the past that I remember him playing that is a villain is Sarge from Doom. And even then, he doesn't come off as a villain in the beginning. He's still very likable. He just becomes a evil monster. Well, yeah, end. but initially when we saw before they did the Scorpion King sort of spin-off, oh, yeah. Scorpion King was kind of a bad guy. Yeah, Mummy Returns, you're right. But you're he right, was in right. that so little. That was at the start of his getting out of wrestling, getting into movies career. Yep, yep. Um, now, in the panel, Dwayne Johnson is talking about kind of the future of the DC Cinematic Universe. And he makes mention of whoever is will play superman in the future basically is what he says and the crowd goes sour i have only ever seen the crowd boo the rock outside of being a bad guy in wrestling once before and that's when he entered during the royal one of the royal rumbles and held his cousin's hand up who was not very well liked by the the audience at the time and he was so confused by that but the crowd 
completely just soured on that note. And WB, Warner Brothers, listen to your crowd. Well, because, they want Henry Cavill they back. they want Henry Cavill. Yeah. And that's the thing. Henry Cavill, to my way of thinking, is the best Superman that we've had. No shade to Brandon Routh. Since Christopher Reeve. And I agree with you on that. I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of Man of Steel on a base level, but I love Henry Cavill it's, as Superman. It's because the story for Man... Uh, no, not Man of Steel. The, the, the one before that with Brandon Routh, Superman oh, yeah. Returns. They tried to recapture that Christopher Reeve sense, and, it, and they were trying to pick it up from there, and that story just didn't really work, despite having a good cast. Yeah. But Henry Cavill... Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of of how they did Man of Steel, but I have come to enjoy Man of Steel a lot more than when it was initially put out. And Henry Cavill, to me, is a very, very good Superman. I agree with that completely. And I do want to see him again as Superman. So Warner Brothers, please make it happen. Now we're going to move away from DC, and we're going to go over to our other favorite comic book slash comic book movie company marvel and mention what they went over now to be very clear they introduced a lot of stuff on saturday night way too much for us to possibly go over in this segment so what we'll do is mention some of what we thought were the highlights what we're excited for and go from there yeah and, and you know speaking of excitement i hope phase five is going to be a lot more exciting than phase four which we have nicknamed phase meh i thought it was phase bore phase bore yeah okay that's, that's even better so happily phase four ends with black panther Wakanda forever. Yeah, and that is looking fantastic. We get our first real look at Namor, the submariner, which I am so excited for. That looks very emotional, that movie. It does. It I think does. they're hitting the right note with it. I, you know, and that's that's something I was uh, I was talking to my girlfriend about earlier. We, we noticed how emotional everybody in this trailer looks. Yes. And I think, to me... What I think happened is Ryan Coogler, as the director, had to rally the people up and go, Hey, listen, I know we're all sad about Chadwick's passing. Let's use it. But, yeah, and the obviously from what I have seen, what I am assuming, what I'm dissecting, is that the good part of this is going to be honoring Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa having passed away somehow. Yeah, and I think... Just looking at the trailer alone, I think this really is is really building up to be the highlight of Phase 4, low bar. But still, it looks beautiful. It looks so good. And I love the first Black Panther film. I have a lot of faith in Ryan Coogler. And this is going to be a... Considering everything that's happened over the course of Phase 4, I think this will be a nice end to Phase 4. Now... It can't come soon enough for me. <laughs> And I think that is the next Marvel film that's due out is Black Panther in November, I believe. Now, moving on to Phase 5, there was a whole slew of movies that were mentioned. Um, the Marvels, uh, Thunderbolts, a whole bunch of different ones. But we're just going to talk about a few of them right okay. now. Okay, now before we do that, though, explain to people, because some people may not know, who the Thunderbolts are. So the Thunderbolts are, the best way to describe it is Marvel's version of the Suicide Squad, but it's not played for laughs like DC's is. Basically what you're looking at is a group of 
anti-hero. So you're going to have U.S. agent who was the new Captain America initially in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You're going to have Yelena Belova, you're gonna, uh, who is Black Widow's sister in the Black Widow movie, so on and so forth. Kind of these antithesis characters. In the comic book, some of the Thunderbolts included Ares, who was kind of an antithesis to Thor. Um, you had Norman Osborn, who was an antithesis to uh, Tony Stark, things like that, right? So that's what the Thunderbolt says. I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I don't know if that's going to do be as good a story on screen as it would on comic, but I'm, I'm going to be optimistic. Now, moving on from that, we have the TV series, which is getting an 18-episode run. So I think this is actually a first for Disney+. Plus. Daredevil Reborn, and I am excited for that so much because I love the original Netflix series. And there's a lot of characters in that that I want to see return. Like, I am pretty sure Vincent D'Onofrio will return as Kingpin because we've already seen him in Hawkeye. But seeing a few other members from the character, the, the cast would be really, really, really yeah, cool. I want to see Daredevil into the MCU, into the movies. Yeah, well, here's the thing. We know he's going to make an appearance in She-Hulk. And apparently in his yellow costume, which, whoo awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to She-Hulk. The more I see of it, when I first saw the original tra uh, trailer for it, I was like, mm, but you know what? I've seen more of it. Tatiana Maslany is my girl. I love her from Orphan Black. Yeah, but She-Hulk, even in the comics is more iconic and a better female version of a superhero that they were trying to do than I think Spider-Woman is. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I mean, okay, well, that's a whole other conversation, but I do agree with you. Yeah. Um, Tatiana Maslany is fantastic. I think she would have, she should have won all the Emmys for Orphan Black. But, yeah, it looks good. And uh, in the most recent trailer, you see her doing the fourth wall breaking that, that she does in the comics, so that's exciting as well. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to Daredevil Reborn, and it'll be cool to see how they interconnect. Um, another TV show that's coming out is Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion is a ba is basically going to be the Nick Fury show, from what I kind of gather. So in the comic books, the Secret Invasion was the Skrulls invaded Earth and took over the roles of all the superheroes, and nobody knew who was who. So it's probably going to be a very similar thing. We're going to have certain superheroes who have been kidnapped or possibly even killed and taken over by a, by a scroll. Yeah, we've seen the scrolls. They were introduced in Miss Marvel. Yeah. Or not Miss Marvel, pardon me, in uh, Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yes, yeah. you're right. Now, in the comic books, the scrolls are clear-cut villains. But in Captain Marvel, they were played up as kind of intergalactic refugees who were just trying to find a home, which is a great story. It'll be interesting to see where they go with this. Have they decided that they want Earth to be their home? We don't know. Yeah, it's going to be really good. I'm looking forward to it. And anything involving Sam Jackson and anything involving Ben Mendelsohn, I will watch. So I'm the, in. The thing that I'm excited about now, and it's kind of hard because prior to there being an MCU, they would do comic book movies, as we know. The Tim Burton Batmans. Um, you're looking at Steel. They did Steel once. I mean, not, not that they were necessarily good movies. Steel was not a good movie. <laughs> they weren't necessarily good movies, but they did them. There was a Captain America movie. Yeah, I remember that. There was, um, I'm trying to think of all of them. Jonah Hex. That was terrible. But, oh. but ones that we did love was Blade with Wesley Snipes. Yeah. And now they're redoing Blade after the, the failed uh, TV series. And it's starring an actor that I have actually come to really love and respect Mahershala Ali, two-time Oscar winner. Yeah, he's really great. Um, 
he was in the Green Book, right? Yes. Yeah. And funnily enough, he was also, he's already been in an MCU project, Luke Cage, the TV show on Netflix. <laughs> so I'm excited to see him. I think he's a perfect fit for Blade. There was a, there, there's been a lot of actors I've looked at going, I know they're not going to cast Wesley Snipes as Blade. No, but it'd be neat to put Wesley Snipes in there somehow. I think oh, Whistler would actually be a really good option for him, but that's just fan casting right there. Whatever. I think Mahershala Ali is going to be really good. Kit Harrington, uh, who was in The Eternals, uh, we all know him from Game of Thrones as Jon Snow. He's going to be in, and yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I'm going to lo- I'm going to really love what they do with it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the first Blade trilogy. Third one, yeah, but you know, I enjoyed it. The third one is is one of those movies that's plagued by a lot of production problems, and it shows. But other than that, I mean, the second one, Guillermo del Toro directing a Blade movie, that is just <laughs> chef's kiss right there. That's beautiful. Uh, we also have Captain America. New World Order, and I'm still not sure, John. Do you think it's going to be New World Order Black and White or New World Order Wolfpack? You know, I just, I knew you were going to do this joke. I knew you were going to say it, and I hate you for it. (laughs) But yeah, so Captain America, we've got Anthony Mackie returning as Sam Wilson as Captain America, obviously spinning off from Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm hoping we have Bucky back in it, but eh, who knows? I am okay with... I mean, Anthony Mackie's already a fairly big name in Hollywood. He can he can lead a film by himself. That's fine. What I'm looking forward to is seeing who the villain's going to be. And I can't even um, postulate on that right now, you know? But one of the names that I've seen kind of bandied about... I don't want to say randomly, but from project to project, is actually Doctor Doom. And that would be an interesting thing. If they wanted to bring Doctor Doom and use him for a future main, like, Thanos-level villain, introducing him in something that's not Fantastic Four would be kind of neat. I I guess, but I mean, Doctor Doom is more a Fantastic Four villain. Well, yeah, he is a Fantastic Four villain, but he's also... I just hope that they do it better than they do with the original Fantastic Four movies. You know, those movies do have some good things. Okay, so those movies do have uh, Chickless as Ben Grimm, and that's about it. Well, no, listen, it had a good cast. There was nothing wrong with the cast. You had Jessica Alba. You had Chris Evans, of all people. Of course. Playing Johnny Storm. Like you said, Michael Chiklis. There was nothing wrong with the casting. What happened was the plot. The plot was not good. Because the plot basically boils down to us not seeing Doctor Doom in all of the Doctor Doom regalia until the very end, and the whole plot of it, this big baddie from the Marvel Universe, what is he doing? What's the reason that he wants to to, to mess with the Fantastic Four, Nick? Reed stole my girl! Yeah, yeah. It was just bad. It, and that's the thing, Jolene McMahon was not a terrible choice for Doctor Doom, but... Eh. So, eh. yes, I would like to see Doctor Doom come back. And you know what? You're going to. Absolutely you will. Because in the start of Phase 6, we have Fantastic Four. Yeah, speaking of Fantastic Four, here yeah, exactly. we are. Here, here we are. We are. So and I just hope it's better. We don't have a cast yet. Now, we might get that in August because the D32 conference is going to be in August for Disney. That's their big convention. Right. So, obviously, they're holding some stuff back for that. Right. Because we got all of Phase 5 
And then with phase six, we got three movies and then about eight blank spots. The three movies, of course, as, we, as we've already mentioned, Fantastic Four. And then we have Avengers Kang Dynasty. Now, we've already been, in a way, introduced to Kang in Loki with the, uh, the one that remains, who is essentially Kang, or a, a variation of Kang. And then we're going to have Secret Wars. And if you grew up in the 80s, or if you grew up in the 90s, if you grew up in the 80s, you had that Secret Wars comic. And that was one of the most spectacular, big events in Marvel history. I think it was one of the first really, real events to bring all the characters together at once. That wasn't an Avengers comic. Yeah, it was It was a spectacular event in the 80s with that comic where you had the, the Secret Wars, where you just had to buy not only the the secret wars comic itself but it had the tie-ins too so it was smart marketing uh, strategy on their part and that's a that's a model that has been mimicked throughout marvel's history and even dc does it now but with marvel you had like with secret invasion with civil war it was very much the same thing you had to buy all the different issues of all the different characters to get the the full scope of the story. And it was a great way to introduce you to a different line of a comic. Like, I I read the X-Men a lot. Yeah. And so then there's a tie-in, but it's with the Fantastic Four, which maybe I wasn't reading. So I, I go in and I, I start reading this tie-in and go, oh, wait, wait, I kind of like the Fantastic Four. And speaking, speaking of X-Men, and we're going to go and speaking with Secret Wars. So if you're a 90s kid, you grew up watching the X-Men cartoon, the Spider-Man cartoon. And a lot of 90s kids were introduced to the Secret Wars in this 90s Spider-Man cartoon. So that's where I get my excitement for it. But on Friday night, Disney showed the first, not footage, but first look, first pictures of their reboot of of the 90s X-Men cartoon. The one with the iconic song is coming back. And it's, it's interesting because... We have Magneto leading the X-Men. Oh. And that's where they kind of left it for us. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. I, I grew up on that cartoon. I loved it as a kid. It's partly where I get my love of comic books from. Yeah. So I'm so excited for this coming back. Well, folks, on that note, although it may seem like it right now, it, it is time for Nick's Roundup. I know. We're, we're going from the San Diego Comic-Con Roundup to the Pop Culture Roundup. So let's start off with Gal Gadot. Oh, I love Gal Gadot. I think she is one of our favorites here at Area 51 and a half. She's beautiful. She's talented. She's fantastic. I said in an earlier episode she could uh, knock me down and step on my neck with her stiletto heels, and I would apologize for being in her way. Well, speaking of that, she is uh, playing a character coming up that kind of embodies that kind of energy. She is going to be Cleopatra. So they are making a Cleopatra movie, and Gal Gadot, who I could not think of any better actress really well historically cleopatra was supposed to be the most beautiful woman in the world yeah and why not choose one of the most beautiful women in the world to play her yeah absolutely i'm excited for it it'll be interesting to see what they do the last time they made a cleopatra film it was such a spectacle such a thing to behold and I think this is going to follow in the footsteps of that film yeah and gal gadot has this really great quality about her too where you know, like Tim, our friend Tim had a crush on her first. Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. Okay. Right? And I sat there and at first I was like, okay, she's very attractive. But there's just something about when Gal Gadot smiles. She's got this, this 
little mischievous smile that you go, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just think that she is the perfect choice to be playing this character. I agree with you on that. And I can't, like I said, can't wait to see it. Now, moving into the world of toys, I don't normally, I don't get to talk about toys as much as I like to here because honestly, the news isn't just that thrilling. But this is a good one, John. This is fantastic. Hasbro, Hasbro, which is one of my favorite toy companies, known for doing G.I. Joe, known for doing Transformers, they're doing the selfie series. Now, what this means is that Hasbro will have an app. And you can take a picture of yourself on the app, send it to Hasbro, and they will 3D print your head and stick it on an action figure and send it to you for the price, of the honestly reasonable price of $50 US. That sounds fantastic to me. Actually, that's not a bad price. Yeah, and so far right now, we have um, G.I. Joe characters, we have Power Ranger characters, and Jedi characters that you can do this with. So basically, I could become a Jedi. You could. Wow. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Yeah, I like, and again, reasonable price. Like, honestly, with something like that, I think, you know, people would pay out the nose for that. Well, I just, I just broke my wallet the other day by buying the NECA Elvira figure. Right? And to have yourself immortalized as an action figure, that is a lot of people's dream come true right Well, there. listen, if, if people are willing to shell out the money, then yeah, why not? I mean, yeah. we always wanted to see ourselves... The, the Big Bang Theory had a whole episode about them making themselves into action figures. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely fantastic idea. I'm excited for it. And I I believe it's opening up in the States and Canada first, possibly UK as well. Well, that'd be but, nice. Yeah. So, after, uh, so going on from that, we have one of our favorite kind of modern... Screen, screen queens here is Samara Weaving. Oh, she's been doing a good job. She is fantastic. From uh, the, the um, babysitter to... Um, Ready or Not. Ready or Not. Oh, you know, Ready or Not was a movie that surprised me. Me too. I, it was. It's really good. It is, it's tense and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we went to see it basically with the idea that, eh, we'll see. what We kind of like this Samara Weaving. Let's, let's watch it. Yeah. Oh my god! And the ending, you remember? Like, yeah, yeah. Not we're not. We're, we're not no spoiler spoil alert. Yeah, no spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the ending's fantastic. So Samara Weaving, um, a little bit of background on this. She was initially offered the lead role in Scream Five, but had to bow out because she was doing something else, I believe, in Australia. So going from Australia to California, not the easiest thing to do. She has signed on for Scream Six. Ugh. I know, but you know what? <sighs> Having Sam Weaving in it gives me that little bit of hope i love her i think she's fantastic and i would watch it just because she's in it yeah well well, you know they've got to do something because uh, nev campbell's not going to be in it no she is completely bowed out of it which i don't blame her for they they were probably just going to kill the character off and there's no point in that no because when you do that it sort of diminishes the whole story because this is somebody's favorite final girl now, right? Well, not just that, but at that point, what's the point of the other five movies that exactly. she survived? Yeah, because when you look at my favorite franchise, Halloween, they, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis didn't want to do it. So they said, okay, well, we'll kill off the character off screen mm-hmm. and then we'll go in a different direction. Yeah. Which they did. And they did it kind of nicely. And then when she wanted to come back, well, that's easy enough to fix because, okay, you faked your death, whatever. Yeah. And now we've got all these different multi-universe Halloweens. Yeah. But the Scream franchise, as much as we kind of rail against it a little bit because the writing is p- p- 
pedestrian. Yep. It's consistent. It is consistent. That I will give it. It is very consistent. There are a lot of horror movie series out there. I'm looking at you, Hellraiser, that is about as consistent as jelly. So to your point, yes, it would be terrible for them to bring in Nev Campbell and then kill her off. I agree with that. Yeah, obviously I agree with that because that's my point. I'm still upset that they killed Dewey. And if you Uh, haven't seen it, I'm sorry we didn't give you a spoiler alert, but eh, it's been been nearly a year. And continuing on the wave of horror, we have a little bit of Salem's Lot news. Now, Salem's Lot, I was looking forward to this September, but it will not be out in September. They have pushed it back to next spring. And I'm I'm hoping that it's not a production issue. I'm hoping that they're just working on some stuff. But I, I'm hoping it's a really good reason, because usually when they push something back like that... I know. Now, I'm trying to think, because here's here it is, it's... They pushed it back to April. Now, usually, big budget stuff kind of goes in May. That's when we sort of yeah. start it, right? Yeah. Um, and that's been starting earlier and earlier every year. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm a little concerned because we have, historically, there have been movies that have come out in February that have done really, really well, that are really good movies. I'm I, thinking of Silence of the Lambs. I am, if it was being dropped in January, I would be really worried because that's typically the dumping ground for crap movies. Well, yes and no, because a lot of times what they'll do is they'll they'll open up Oscar bait on Christmas Day and yeah. just kind of bring it over the holidays or a yeah. limited release or whatever. It's just so they can meet the criteria. Yeah. So it's been pushed back. It's unfortunate because I was really looking forward to seeing it in September. I just, but... I, I don't know. I, I wonder too with remakes like this because the original Salem's Lot has some of the creepiest scenes in it ever. And not to mention like September seems like a much better time of the year to release it because that's closer to Halloween. Yes. But... It's, it's the decision that they've made. It's what they're going to do, and I'll still go see it, so whatever. Just wish I could see it sooner. Now, from one vampire to another, <laughs> Vince McMahon. Oh, we're talking about him again. So Why? Last, Why oh, do we have to talk about Vinnie Mac again? Well, this one's important. I know. So, last podcast... Listen we up, wrestling fans. We've, we mentioned that Vince McMahon had paid off a girl after sleeping with her and now it's turned out there's three other girls that he's paid off including an on-screen talent whatever that means specifically but now on i believe it was friday this man announced his retirement which is a huge deal in the world of wrestling because a lot of us didn't think it would happen listen i, w- I was there when wwf first was formulated before it became WWE when Vinnie Mac had sort of brought all the other factions in under that one label. And that's, you know, just kind of started it. And he started off very benignly as, you know, being a a co-announcer with Jesse, the body Ventura. Yeah. Nobody knew that he was the owner of the WWE. WWE. And then he has that whole screw the boss thing, which brought in the attitude era and all this. So he's, he's kind of been a bit of a genius but a mad genius. As far as as far as wrestling goes, and this is what I'll say on it, he is probably one of the smartest businessmen to ever grace the business. But that has its upsides and its downsides as well. That's all I'll say on it right now. But for all intents and purposes, he's retired, and it's it's made the front page of the Wall Street Journal, which right. is huge. So that means it's real. Because oh I yeah. Mean, let's face it. I mean, they have done this kind of stunt thing before. 
Exactly. In fact, one of the big things was when Vince McMahon got into a limousine and, expl and it exploded on live television, and people people weren't sure what happened. I mean, I as a viewer knew that it was a it was a work, but the stocks went down because <laughs> of it. Yeah, people were like, Vince McMahon's dead, and then he shows up on the next week after another tragedy to explain what happened because they couldn't continue that after sad tragedy. Listen, we never want to say that wrestling isn't real because the what these guys put themselves through is very much real it's hard it's difficult it's you have to be trained and even then accidents and sometimes fatal accidents happen but it is scripted it is scripted but never say it's fake to a wrestler because they will slap you so hard yeah and the truth is it's not fake it is sports entertainment Yes, exactly. You know, so they're putting on the show, they're they're giving their their all to it, and that's that's what wrestling is. It's it's some people have called it a soap opera for for men. Yeah, and some guys will straight up break their bodies over it. So, <laughs> and you know what, girls like it too. So I mean, of course, uh, it, it's one of those things that that it bonds uh, generations together. Yeah, it really kind of does. It really kind of does. It's it's kind of a thing that a family can watch together or. Guys can get together in different in different venues and watch it. Speaking of things that bond a family together, as we have been doing, we have been watching it. It is now going to flip. It's going to be our Munster Countdown. Yes, indeed. The trailers for Rob Zombie's version of the Munsters is out. And Nick, I have never seen a fandom go so crazy over a trailer but in a bad way oh they're so vicious and i don't quite understand why i don't either well okay i do i get it to an extent there's a lot of unwarranted distaste and frankly unwarranted hatred for rob zombie yeah, I, I don't even know if it's real hatred. Uh, you know, I don't think it. I don't think it is. I think it's people who are doing it because it's trendy yeah, to trash on zombies. It seems like something becomes popular or becomes a running joke, and people forget that this is a real person, a real artist who has put a lot of thought into these projects. Yeah, an emphasis on the word artist. Like Rob Zombie does some wild stuff with his movies. His cinematography is always spot on. It's listen. I just rewatched the Firefly trilogy, starting right. with House of a Thousand Corpses. That is a beautiful film. Whether you're a horror fan or not, to just look at everything that he has put into this on a very very small budget, and it has shades of Jalo. It has shades of John Carpenter. It has like, it's almost De Palma. Yes, and, and and Toby Hooper, and it's almost like he just took all of the best things that he loved growing up and put him into a blender and made this wonderful homage milkshake so rob zombie is a fan of the monsters butch patrick is in this yeah he's not going to do a disservice to it but here's the thing the monster fans on the official monster page they're sitting there going no no i'm not even gonna bother can't see it you can't be Fred Gwynn, can't beat Al Lewis, can't beat Devon DiCarlo. And I sit there and go, well, of course not, because they have all passed away. Do you want to keep the pro uh, property alive, or do you want it to just stay fizzle, there in the 60s? Fizzle out and die. If you really, really can't stand anything that isn't the original cast, you all have your DVDs, maybe Blu-ray by now, of the original series. Yeah. Watch it. 
Go exactly. with God. Leave the rest of us alone who are excited to see something different and something new. I am tired of the way that people crap on Sherry Moon Zombie well, as being a bad actress. Because I can tell you, having watched recently Lords of Salem, the Firefly trilogy, she is not a bad actress. No, she absolutely not. And this is the thing. like It goes beyond old school monster fans. It is... Fans of horror in general, we see it in our horror groups. We see, I see it on Twitter. People are just crapping on Rob Zombie. They're crapping on Sherryman Zombie because it's what they do. And I don't get... Well, I understand a part of it is because there's a huge sect of people that just do not like Rob Zombie's Halloween movies. They, they, want, it in, they want the monsters in black and white. But why? They, because the original's in black and white. Who cares? Grandpa's got a mustache. No, we can't have that. Okay, so... And Why here, not? Why here, can't he have a mustache? Why can't he look a little different? Here's the thing. The original Adams Family was in black and white. No one gave a crap when Barry Sonnenfeld did the Adams Family movies in color. But here's the difference. Here's the difference with that. The problem is this. The reason the Adams Family fans don't go rabbit is because the Adams Family is based on a cartoon series in The New Yorker. Right. Whereas the Munsters is based on the performances of those original cast members. Yeah, that's true. However, you are never going... Like, Brad Garrett does a spot on uh, Fred Gwynn as yeah. Herman Munster. It's it's incredible when you see that clip. In fact, we, we'll find that clip and we'll put it in. Yeah, I've gone ahead and linked that in the description for this episode. I can tell you, Daniel Roebuck is doing a spot on Al Lewis. The mannerisms, the voice. He is going to be great as Grandpa Munster. You will never find anybody who can match Yvonne DiCarlo. No. Yvonne DiCarlo has a unique sound to her voice. She she was a very beautiful woman. Um, Right up there with Elizabeth Taylor and all. She was a, a Hollywood beauty queen that did a TV series. She knows how to portray this character, and you aren't going to find anybody else like her, so let somebody else put a different spin on Lily. So let's go back to uh, to Brad Garrett for a second, because yeah. this is the name I've seen thrown around who should have played Herman, who should have been in the movie. Brad Garrett's in his 60s. I don't think he would have wanted to do it. In your 60s, one, he's a prolific voice actor as well as being the big brother on Everybody Loves Raymond. He has a very comfortable career as a voice actor. A guy in his 60s isn't necessarily going to want to get up and do all this physical stuff while in makeup. But this is one of the things that I'm confused by the fandom because one of their criticisms of Sherry Moon Zombie and Jeff Daniel Phillips playing Herman and Lily is they're too old. And yet they scream, Brad Garrett would have been better. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. People don't... It's just... Rob Zombie is going to use his stable of actors the way that Tim Burton uses his stable of actors, the way Tarantino, Scorsese, Spielberg uses their stable of actors. How do you know it's a Spielberg film? Richard Dreyfuss starred in it. There you go. And that's that's the thing, is, like, these are all characters that regularly work with Zombie. And he knows how to use these actors. Let him use them. Here's the thing. I'll be honest, the script for Halloween 2 by Rob Zombie was terrible. It was a yep. terrible script. We know that. But the movie is gorgeous to look at. Absolutely. It, it is. is cinematically beautiful. Everything he has done has these elements of cinematic 
gravitas and beauty and color and just something for it's a visual feast which is one of the things i like about him he brings in the german expressionism he emulates all these classic things that have gone by living dead girl is basically uh, his a small version of the cabinet of dr caligari yeah yeah absolutely and like that's the thing when i was younger and i saw his music videos like, I think the first Rob Zombie music video I saw was Dragula. Mm. Hen, hen. And I just sat there thinking to myself, I want to see this guy make a movie. Yeah, and This he, is awesome. He wanted the Dragula, but he settled, settled for the coach. Yeah, I know. I know. I heard that too. But yeah, I I loved his music. I love his music. His music yeah. is fantastic. So uh, this is the whole thing. Like, it's, it's not just this. I'm looking forward to seeing it because, one, it's going to be... Silly, it's going to be family fun. It's going to be, I mean, the, the latest trailer shows Daniel Roebuck as grandpa. He's getting out of his coffin. He's Count Dracula, if you don't know. He's getting out of his coffin, and he's making this stretch, and he's making this very menacing, roaring sound, if you will. Yeah. And then he goes, oh, my back! Yeah, <laughs> that, and that is such a monstrous thing. Like, you can see Al Lewis doing that. It's so, it, you know, it's going to be funny it's going to be fun if these people truly are not your taste that's fine don't come for us don't come for the other fans but let it be because these the the level of toxic fandom is getting ridiculous it's it's very different nick i I sound a bit hypocritical here because you know how much i rail against star wars well that's different though you're critical of star wars but these fans are utterly vicious and full of bile like we've seen um ewan mcgregor recently come out against star wars fans going what are you doing yeah but i like for for me here's the thing for me the difference is star wars is sort of a victim of too much product yeah i can understand that and there's you know like there's really no such thing as canon anymore because it's at the whim of a writer you know, so they just sort of cherry pick all this kind of stuff and make it this or that and the other thing. And then it stops fitting that original trilogy. Yeah. That's my problem with it for the most part. But the monsters, no matter what iteration, good or bad, whether it's Monsters Today, whether it's Monsters Revenge, oh. whether it's Here Come the Monsters, whether it's Monsters Scary Little Christmas, good or bad, the monsters have always been the monsters. Yeah. Oh, man. And Rob Zombie is not going to hurt it. This is one of his favorite properties. In House of a Thousand Corpses, the Firefly family has the TV on, and what's playing? The The Monsters. Monsters. So, I think for us... Okay, so when I first saw the very first trailer, I wasn't digging it. But the second trailer, though, I saw that, and I saw... I saw the movie there. Yeah. I saw what looked like it was a movie, and I'm kind of digging that. But what I liked about the fact is that Rob Zombie, very shy, kind of patient, kind of artist, right? Yeah. He doesn't say too much, but this past Friday, I think he just had enough. I think he had too, because he went on a very... Uh, Specific. Yeah, a very big tirade about I, I his budget. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't think tirade is really the right word, but... He, he went on... That thing where dad puts down his fist and says, let me tell you something, son. Yeah, exactly. Because people have a lot of... And this is the thing that I think helps the internet breed toxic fandom. You have expectations and then you go and blur out your expectations online. 
and then it kind of through through uh, through mitosis, people other people get that expectation, yeah. and then it becomes this kind of group thing. I mean, real, the internet really can be a hive mind. Well, like he said, he said, I don't know where you got the idea that it was going into theaters. They never said that. It was done by Universal 14-something or other. There's a, a sub-thing that Universal does that is direct for streaming or television. So, he said it was always going to go to Netflix, and now it's 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 going to be released simultaneously on Blu-ray DVD, which is great for people that don't have Netflix. So I did a little bit of digging on that. There have been... Um, film sites and entertainment news sites that did specifically say, hey, it's going to theater and Paramount Plus on the same day. But that was Peacock. all... Peacock. Peacock, sorry. Yeah. Peacock, not Paramount Plus. But that was all speculation. There was nothing confirming that, but because these places ran with it and ran with the clickbait titles, everybody went, oh, it's going to be in theaters on and on Peacock. Oh, you have to be so careful with clickbait. Yeah, it's... Yeah, and, oh. and then the other thing that he set straight was the budget. He's like, you know, I, if he had, I, I think he mentioned three movies. He said, I, you know, if you combine those three movies, what I did with those three movies on the budget I had with those three movies, it still wouldn't come up to this, the dollars that you guys are saying I had to do the monsters. I mean, here's the thing. If it's he, low budget. If he but had what a, he does with low budget is amazing. Agreed. But if he had a $30 million budget, it would have... A cast, a cast that was bigger name, at least a little bit bigger name. Like I think Daniel Roebuck is probably getting his biggest payday in this film, but I think we probably would have had someone that would command a five million dollar paycheck out of that thirty million. But you know what? Like from everything that I, that I've seen, because I've followed his announcements, I wanted to make sure they were coming straight from the zombie's mouth. We know that Butch Patrick is in it. Butch Patrick played the original Eddie Munster yep. on the Monsters. We know that Cassandra Peterson, Elvira, is in it. Yep. We know that some way, somehow, Pat Priest, who played Marilyn Munster in the original series, is in it. Yep. We know that Dee Wallace yeah. is going to have... She's the voice of Transylvania today or this yeah. morning or something. So whether she's on screen or not, we don't know. But Dee Wallace is another actress that is now in the zombie family. Yep. You know, we've got... Um, all kinds of great actors that are familiar in this. And Richard Brake is the Dr. Frankenstein uh, character that creates I, Herman. I love Richard Brake. I will watch him do pretty much anything, so I'm good with that. So, let's get into what we just saw, because it actually ties in with this discussion that we're having about toxic fandom. We just came back from seeing Nope. Nope. And here is another example of people... Just what is it that you folks want? You always see those memes. You always see that they're very mean-hearted. Oh, you call yourself a horror fan and you haven't oh. seen this obscure piece of schlock? I'm sorry, you call yourself a horror fan and you said Nope was, was dull and boring? So let, let's talk about that for a minute. So for me, I, I don't like gatekeeping. I hate it. It is pretentious, it is arrogant, and it is frankly stupid. Yes, and because I, how does the next generation know if exactly. you constantly gatekeep? Here's my deal. If you like a horror movie, if there is one, if there is a single horror movie out there you like, I don't care what horror movie it is, if it's just one horror movie that you like, as far as I'm concerned, you're a horror fan. That's all it is for me. If you like 
horror, you're a horror fan. Doesn't matter what you've seen. Doesn't I, matter yeah, what you've. I don't really like a lot of gross stuff, which is what a lot of people yeah. do. But it's, I'm you, still a horror fan. Well, you, you and I have had that conversation where you have essentially doubted yourself as a horror fan. I've said, dude, you're a horror fan. You are. I'm you, old school. Yeah. I like I like Hammer and Universal and. I mean, you've got the merchandise as well. I mean, you're a you're pretty big into yeah, horror. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and uh, get down to find the old Monster Hunter comics from EC. Oh, that'd be awesome. But that's the thing, though. That's the thing is that fans don't get to determine who the fans are. Like, I'm going to go over to Star Trek for a second, which is another... It can be fairly toxic because you have these old school fans... And then you have the new school fans who are fans of Discovery, fans of Strange New Worlds, fans of Lower Decks, and the old school fans are doing nothing but gatekeeping. Oh, you can't be a fan of Star Trek unless you're a fan of the original series. You know what? I'm not exactly the biggest fan of the original series here. It's kind of crap at most points. I love The Next Generation. I love Deep Space Nine. I love Voyager. And yeah, I really love Strange New Worlds. But I'm not a big fan of the original series. And from some old fogies point of view, I'm not a real Star Trek fan. And that's not fair. No, because here's the thing. Uh, the original had its three, I think it was three season run. Yeah. And it's it's great. There's nothing wrong with that. And then it moved into the movies off piggybacking off the success of Star Wars. Yeah. We all have a soft spot for those original characters. We love seeing Spock, particularly, whenever he showed up. Yes. But I get the fact that since then, there has been Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, a plethora of other movies. Folks, that's more Star Trek now than the original series. It is. The original series is a fantastic concept. I do appreciate it. And there are some episodes, like Balance of Terror, that is one of my favorite episodes. But overall, I don't dig the original series. And that is fine. That's it's, okay. It's partly because it's a product of its time. And let's let's look at you with Star Wars. You don't like the prequel series. You know what? You're still a Star Wars fan because you like the original trilogy. There is nothing wrong with that. And that is something I think people really need to get a grip on. And so now, folks, because we are going to talk about specifics of the movie, nope, here is your spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. This is exactly what Nope is talking about. This is, ex yes, it's a slow burn. If a slow burn isn't your thing, that's fine. Don't come for us. But don't trash this movie because maybe you watched it wrong. I will say that they watched it wrong if they didn't like it, but that's me. Okay, here's the thing with Nope. I, I mentioned this to you when we left the theater. I You avoided the trailers for Nope. Mm-hmm. I watched all the trailers, and I can tell you from watching the trailers, I could not piece together what I just saw. Now, that like, sounds like a negative, so explain yourself. Well, what I mean is that they showed us what they wanted to show us. They didn't show us a complete picture of the movie, anywhere near a complete picture of the movie. And the trailers were better for it, and the movie was better for it. Because I had looked at one of the trailers and just assumed, because of some of the snippets that were in the trailer, that this was going to have aliens in the movie running around causing havoc. It didn't. It had kids dressed up as aliens, sure, and that was for one scene. But... Oh, but that was a great scene. I loved everything that Jordan Peele did with, with this, where he gives us just that little 
quick shot of something weird going on out there. And that suspense that he had in the stables with those aliens was tremendous. So if you haven't seen it and you don't care about the spoiler, the basic summary is that it follows this family of horse Hollywood horse wranglers and they something is attacking their horses initially coming from the sky and it turns out to be this creature that is kind of come to their terror it's it's territorial it's kind of taken up home just over their ranch and the the neighboring um kind of amusement park thing and that's what it's about and it's such a different but movie it's, it's that a I lot could deeper not than have, that too. Well, yeah, it, like that's just the basic plot. Yeah. I could not have ever in a million years got that from the trailer, and that's great because the trailers gave you an idea something otherworldly was happening, and that's all you need to know. Yeah, and let's talk about the cinematography. For oh a my good lord, yes, the cinematography in Jordan Peele films are always on spot but this one hits a whole new note especially with the monster in the film because it's so strange and otherworldly yeah and what's what's amazing about that is that they almost have to point out to you what's happening and so we sort of go along this journey where we are with the main characters as it all unravels and we see it through their eyes yeah and it's it's the the really neat thing about being with them is that they don't know what's going on, and because they don't know what's going on, the audience has no clue whatsoever. And then he gives us these flashbacks to another character played by Steve Yoon, and it's like, okay, how is that going to fit in? So now we, as the audience, know something that they don't. Yeah, so the kind of flashbacks we get from this character, Randy Parks, he was a, he was a child actor, and he was on a show called Gordy's Home, I believe it was called something yes. like that, with with a with an ape, with a, a chimpanzee, champ, with a chimpanzee, and it, the chimpanzee in an episode goes nuts and kills at least one cast member and injures other ones, and this becomes a huge problem and only affects the main story in a roundabout way. But also in a direct way. It's really genius when you look at well, it. Well, it is because the, the whole point of this movie, once we get into the meat and potatoes of it, once we get into the subtext, it is about that ever-roving eye of Hollywood and Hollywood toxicity in and of itself, which we have been viewing ravenously, and that's the point. Here you are, the viewers. I have given you a trailer that you think it's this, but it's something else. Now you're going to come along in here, and hopefully you're going to get the point of this movie where you will just gobble up whatever drivel we put in front of you, and on the other side, we are going to try and give our lives to make sure you have that. Well, and that's exactly it. Like, the director gives up his life for the perfect shot. The guy on the bike, there's a TMZ guy on a bike, and he's about to get eaten by this monster and he's like get my camera get my camera get my camera and it's like this the dude's laying there probably paralyzed yeah and he's it, it speaks to our modern culture not just in hollywood but with social media as well we are living our lives through our cameras like and i, I know this was there was a reason for it but there is a scene where we're literally looking at one of the aliens that turns out to be a kid dressed as an alien 
through the main character's cell phone because that's what this is about. Our lives are becoming artificial. Yeah, and how much technology is in there, right? And there's that whole idea too of the electric waves of new technologies disrupting nature yeah and nature sort of fighting back well yeah look at the movie as it goes along more technology is introduced to the haywood's house yeah. the ranch you've got angel coming in with his cameras and his, his setup then the director shows up with all his kit and the more technology shows up the worse it gets for them yeah and the director even has to use a, a handheld old cranked of eight eight millimeter film yep. in order to get it because all the electricity gets knocked out. Yeah, this thing this thing has like an EMP field and it just kills all the electricity when it's around. Yeah, you know, and we know that that actually disrupts whales and sharks and yeah. I mean, I was just watching. It's not Shark Week yet, surprisingly enough, but on uh, National Geographic, I think was the channel I was watching. I was watching this thing on sharks last night, and it was. Why do sharks attack boats? So these scientists and marine biologists went out to try and figure out why sharks are attacking the boat. And it's because the boats are emitting the same sort of electric pulses that fish and their prey are. Yep. And so they're picking up on that. And so you see the shark, he's like, ow, 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 you know, eating on the, the <laughs> eating the propeller, eating the, the, the engine, right? And it's just, and they, they can't figure it out. And of course, yeah, they'll attack a canoe because we are sitting there and we're interfering with nature in its natural habitat. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing. Okay, so when we're introduced to this creature it has been it set up shop in this area for about six months and we don't know it's a creature at first we yeah. think it's basically a ufo yeah exactly and it's there for six months and then we finally well the main character finally realizes uh oj which he's called finally realizes that this thing has set up shop there and this is its home and it is territorial um i actually made the joke when we left the theater Hey, John, we just watched Jaws because there is some similarities there. In theme. In theme, in theme. In theme. Um, Which but, is the, the, the overall glut of consumerism. But oh, in yeah. This, in this case, we're talking about the overall glut of Hollywood and the toxic culture and everything else. And it cannot be satisfied. No. Like, the, the scene, there's a scene where um, Ricky Parks, who's Steven, Steve Yoon's character, as we mentioned before, he is trying to do a show with the alien spacecraft. He's trying to show them off to an audience. And that's the weird thing too, because he is the survivor of Gordy's home, where it was pretty evident that the chimpanzee killed the actors playing the mom and the dad, severely injured the actress playing the, the sister, sister yeah. and he gets away unscathed, but has all that trauma. But how does he deal with that trauma? He doesn't. He puts on a, a happy face and he makes money from that trauma, from being on that show. Which goes back to the whole idea of the, the director dying to get the perfect shot, the TMZ camera motorcyclist dying to get his shot. It's about putting everything before ourselves to make money, to get famous, yeah. and ignoring our trauma, ignoring our needs, ignoring the things that should be important to us. Yeah, I will admit, nope is a bit of a slow burn. It is a slow burn, and you know what? It's richer for it. But I don't mind a slow burn. Yeah. Because, again, the, the, there are so many different types of horror. Let me just name some. There's hag horror. There is... Um, slasher. Slasher. There, There is gore. There is... 
um, psychological horror. There, Ghost stories, there all is, that stuff. Um, fairy tale horror. Yeah, There's, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, there's all kinds of different horror. You don't have to like each and every one in order to be a horror fan. You know, and I saw somebody kind of um, talk about horror and uh, kind of liken it to a menu at a restaurant. Yes. You don't... You go to a restaurant, you have your favorites, you don't have to like everything on the menu because, frankly, that would be weird. You, listen, we go to sushi. I'm not a big sushi fan. Yeah. I don't like... The, what it is is the seaweed. Right. I don't like the taste of the seaweed that's wrapped around a lot of sushi. So, I'll get the teriyaki. I'll get the the beef fried rice. I'll get the other things because I don't particularly like that one thing. Yeah, and that's fair. There is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Now... Going back to Nope, though, going back to that scene with Steve Yoon showing the spacecraft off to an to a uh, audience, this what happens at this point is the spacecraft comes along and yeets them all out of their seats and eats them. It yeets and eats, <laughs> <laughs> and that is that represents the fact that it's not just the people that consume. But the medium consumes now. The medium consumes the people. It takes them and it rips them out of their lives. Yeah. Like, I'm going to use video games as an example of this. Now, I have no problem with video games. I play video games myself. I have a lot of friends that play video games. I love video games. But I do recognize that there is an addictive nature to some video games. And there are um, people out there, specifically men, in fact, who will... Um, just spend their entire life in front of a video game and that is it and that is that's what we're looking at here with this movie is the medium in this case is video games is coming along and just sucking the soul out of the person that's playing it and that's not the same for everyone i understand that but you can see it with social media as well when you see when you sit down and you see the beautiful woman on social media with that amazing life and she's at these awesome restaurants every night and she's always on vacation and that steals a little bit away from you it makes you feel bad about yourself yeah because she's that, not doing those things really not all the time she is doing that for the clout and for the likes but it makes everybody who's not doing that feel bad about themselves and that's that is actually one of the psychological problems with social media right now and this is what this is another part of what this movie is about is what the medium is doing to the audience. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic that we we have this podcast, we have this technology that we can actually discuss these things on, and we hope that people like what we're listening to. Uh, I and... promise you, aliens, we will never try and suck your soul. You're fine. <laughs> but that's that's the thing. Is this The movie... Um... It does a good job. The reason I brought that up is because it does a good job of showing a lot of older technology sort of coming back in like vinyl is huge right now yeah yeah there's a lot of you vinyl know? in this movie. so there's that idea of technology coming in and there's nothing wrong with technology but the over glut of it you always have to have something new like they had a security camera oh well we need better security camera because yeah. the whole point is it wasn't that they were looking for security the they were looking for the money shot if we can get a shot and prove that there is alien life we're going to be rich. But that is indicative of 
what we go through on a a lot of us go through on a bi-yearly basis if you are stuck in a phone contract because then you've got to get two years later you got to get the next big phone and go into that contract and then two years later you got to get the next big phone and two years it's the same thing it is all the consumerism and all of the trash that we are consuming yeah and think about it this way as well when the when the creature dispels its waste we'll say all of the all it's done is assumedly just rip the flesh off of people because everything else get this gets dispelled coins keys the the um clothes clothes the the, re- the vinyl records that the we vinyl saw. records yeah it, it just dispels the crap and you know that, that that was one of those moments too in the movie where I, I turned to you and i said because we would just sort of realize that this isn't a spacecraft it's some kind of alien animal yeah and i said to you i turned to you and said oh my god i just realized it's defecating all over their house. Yeah, so, and that, that's what happens. There is a scene when it hovers over the ranch house and it starts raining blood and it's like, oh my God. And then you realize that it's not just blood. This is how this thing essentially yeah, poops. The, the, the seats from the uh, amusement area, the anything, the, that, yeah, anything the, it didn't want to digest. They had little toy aliens that it it spewed out. It was it was a really gross scene, and there, there's a lot. But a really well done scene. A really well done scene. Um, and a, you could you could feel the fear too. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is the movie was incredibly tense. Even the scene where we see the kids dressed up as aliens, that was such a chilling scene. Like there's the, there's a the part where um, OJ goes to turn off the light in the in the barn. Turns then, around, walks up. This is speaking to the slow burn because the slow burn has payoff. Yeah. So he turns the light out. He's looking around. He can sense that there's something not right there. Mm-hmm. Does that long turn? Does the slow walk? Peel takes his time, and then lights come back on. Lights come back on, and he turns around and he sees the one of the aliens, presumably, just slowly stand up, and then it starts inching towards him. And then another one pops out from a random, from around a random, the corner, around yeah, the corner. and it just—I got chills from that. It was chilling to watch. Yeah, and it had one of—I—I I know you don't like jump scares. Oh, that didn't bother. No, I—that was built. Who no, says I don't like jump scares? Oh, I thought you didn't like jump scares. Anyway, no, I—I I don't like stupid jump scares. That, okay, that's I'm fine. I'm tired of the the like the, the cat jumping out. So there was a scene where tropes. The, I'm tired of tropes. There's a scene where. Um, the creature, the alien, the the sky fairy, whatever you want to call it, has swallowed a statue of a horse and has ejected it. Now, there's a, there's a lot leading up to this. It's very tense. The, the the creature is clearly above OJ's truck at this point, and he's he looks up. He get he just peers out of the truck and looks up and sees it right there, and he goes, nope. Nope, 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 and gets back in the truck. They, they say this a lot throughout yeah, the movie, they which say is nope why it's called lot. Nope. Yeah, and that's the, uh, more on that in a second. So it builds up and it builds up, and then crash through the front window comes the horse statue. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you do a jump scare. Now, because it was built up properly. I want to clarify something here. First of all, I like jump scares. That's what makes a movie, a scary movie, a scary movie. It's that build up, as you say. When yeah. I do my Halloween haunts at my home, yeah, I actually don't have jump scares, which is hilarious. 
because I set up this atmosphere. And I remember one year these girls were trick-or-treating and they were so nervous coming up to the door with all the haunted atmosphere going around my house. And they get up to the door and I give them their treat and I'm dressed scary and off they go and they get down back to the sidewalk and they go, nothing jumped out at us. And I said, you're right. Nothing did jump out at you, but you were scared the entire time, weren't you? Sometimes atmosphere is better than the scare. Yeah, because it's that tense. And that's why jump scares work, because it builds up the tension so that when the jump scare comes, boom, you're scared. It's, now, about, it's about the anticipation. Aliens, this is what I want to clear clarify here. The horse coming through the window didn't scare me. This one next to me jumped out of his seat. I love going to a horror movie with my co-host, Nick, because three quarters of the time, I'm fine. He's the one that's scared. Like I, when we saw Annabelle, I have to tell the story. Do you mind me telling the story? As long as you preface that it is Annabelle, yeah, the, the yeah. prequel Annabelle, yeah. Annabelle creation. It was, it was particularly a scary moment. We're sitting there. It was a late show. Not a whole lot of people in the theater. I hear at one of the most tense moments this heavy breathing right in my ear. And I'm sitting there thinking, what the hell? Is that just the surround sound? Is this is the theater that good technologically advanced? And I hear it getting louder and I'm thinking, that sounds like it's right beside me. It wasn't right beside me. Nick and I usually have a seat between us. I slowly turn because I'm getting scared at this sound. And I see beside me my big Scottish co-host white-knuckling it on the seat, breathing in and out, completely terrified with what was going to happen. Now, that scene takes place on a bunk bed. She, the, the girl looks down between the crack of the bunk bed and sees a demon eye. I am I'm not, sorry, that is I scary. I am not saying it wasn't a scary moment. I'm not saying you're not justified in that. I'm saying I love going to horror movies with you because three quarters of the time, I'm good. But you scare me because you I'm, jump or you're doing something like that. You know, funnily enough, I you're not the only friend of mine that says that. Like my friend Ree, she took me to see the Meg and IMAX. Not to watch the movie, but to watch me jump out the damn chair. <laughs> so yeah. But but yeah, back to note. Back to note. It was a good, tense film with great atmosphere. Um, this is where the slow burn sometimes works. It's like the same thing with Midsummer. We have it's a slow burn. We we see Danny's trauma. That's unnerving, and that's what they do. They give you the stuff that's that's a little odd, a little yeah. out of place, unnerving. So that when we build up to that third act, by that point, our minds just can't comprehend it anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it is it really is like that, isn't it? Like, yeah. You, uh, these are the these are the types of movies that properly draw me in like you've seen me in these movies you see me sitting on the edge of my seat the theater doesn't need to sell me the whole seat so i'm just going to use the edge in these movies but this isn't this isn't the this isn't the same for all movies like there are movies where i'm not going to do that um the acting was very solid in this movie it, it was, was believable the characters were believable they didn't the characters did not do those stupid things that characters yeah. do Except the director, but that's kind of the whole thing. The director, what they do is that they hire a director who they've gone and uh, they've met because they were going to do this 
thing with the horse on a movie set, um, and the horse didn't um, behave properly, and they blame them and they get fired, and that's the way Hollywood is. It chews you up, spits you out. Yes. So they didn't listen to the horse wrangler, the experts, yep. and the horse gets spooked. And it kicks something, kicks some props out of the way and nearly kicks so one of the actresses. they know this director and they pique his interest mm-hmm. in coming to get this shot. The perfect shot. The impossible shot. The impossible shot. shot. And that's why he sets himself up to get killed by the alien so he can get to that shot of actually going up into it. Yeah. Like, and that, that's, this, that's, that's the that, thing. That's what he wants. He wants his fame. Yeah. And that's the thing. People are willing to die for their 15 minutes. I mean, look at the people that have died taking selfies. Look at the people who have taken images of people dying so they can put it on the internet. Yeah. um, Instead of getting them help. Yeah. Like, there's a subreddit called Don't Help Just Film. And it is literally videos of people in some kind of peril, some kind of danger... And there's somebody just filming them. Yeah. Like, this is what part of our society has kind of become. It's clout chasing. It is is self-pandering crap. And I think Nope's main message is we need to get away from it or we're going to be in trouble. Yeah, there's so many, like you said, there's multiple messages here. We're, We're getting away from the natural world. We're getting away from the natural order of things. Um, like one of the, it was a dark line, but one of the lines uh, was right. They were talking about, um, you know, animals and, uh, you know, being able to be tamed. And he says, yeah, tell that to uh, Siegfried and Roy. Yeah. And Roy. <laughs> you know? uh, again, very dark, but it made the point, you know, we are acting in a very unnatural way and it's going to have consequences. Yeah, exactly. And apparently the consequences are getting sucked up by a giant space alien which maybe you know what maybe a, a, a space a sky fairy this listen you have to see this thing because i can't I, describe it yeah it's hard to describe it, it's squid like but not at the same it, time it morphs yeah and it morphs and it's kind of neat when a filmmaker does that they where you see a reveal a little bit and then you see more reveal later on and then you see it in its full grandeur at the end and you're just like wow okay that's that's neat and different it really was like something out of a dream and 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 that's the thing we're always complaining this it gets back to when we started this with rob zombie and the monsters and we're here now at the end of it it gets back to that whole idea that we're always screaming for something fresh, something new, something relevant. And when somebody gives it to us, oh, no, 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 it's got to be pure. And it's got to be this. It's got to stay the same. And that's why we get pedestrian movies. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I've seen people literally say that this is stupid because it wasn't a traditional alien movie. You know what? It's I've not seen, supposed to be. I've seen traditional alien movies. I'm happy to get something new. This was fantastic. And I truly believe that this is probably one of the best horror films so far of this decade. Well, yeah. I mean, when you sit there and you talk about it's what your typical alien movie. Okay, well, let's let's go back to the alien franchise then. How many times can I really watch the xenomorphs go around and disemboweling people with their tongues? You know? Like, I, at, eight, I believe now? It, it, there just comes a point where it's just like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. 
Well, and and that's the thing. Like, look at the look at the movie coming out, Prey, the new Predator movie. Right. They're doing something fresh and new with it. And right now, the early buzz is that it's good. They've gone back to they're they're hunting um, indigenous people in North America. Right. Back in like the 1600s. Cool beans. Now, now, I am going to watch are, this. But are they hunting them, or is it just that these characters have now come across this thing? Is it like maybe hunting something else? That is yet to be seen as far right. as I know. But that's the general premise, and that sounds like a cool idea, and I'm excited for it. Okay, Nick. Taking, taking a, 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 a franchise that is mired in the crap that it's put forward and taking it and shining it up and doing something new with it, that's okay too. And speaking of that, we saw a trailer for Halloween Ends. Uh, okay. Oh, now, here's, here's where we're going to go with this. We both liked Halloween 2018. Yes, we did. Thought it was a, a great kickoff to this trilogy. COVID-19 happened, and I think somewhere along the line, the script got flipped, and Halloween Kills had some great kills. Go back to our earlier episode. We're not going to rehash that. That's but that, that episode is called Michael Myers Goes to Space, so anyway. But people are starting to come around to what we were saying about that movie, about it's not that great. Yeah. And I... Okay. End of the day, I'm going to see Halloween ends Of course theater. we are. Because I want to see how it ends. I want to see what they do with it. And we're, we're going to want to talk about it. But here's, here's what I was going to say about that. I have a feeling that Halloween ends is actually going to be more like Halloween 2018. At least I've got my fingers crossed for that based on the trailer. It's going to be a big old showdown between Laurie and Michael, and that's kind of what they showed in the trailer. Yeah. They've had to flip the script because of COVID-19. Yeah. So apparently this is one of the first movies I can think of that I have seen. I'm sure there's been others where COVID-19 actually is playing into the plot. I think it's, there's a couple movies that are specifically about life in the COVID-19 era, but I think this is one where it's just organic. It's not about COVID-19, but COVID-19 is just organically there. Yeah, it's going to be like two years after Halloween kills. Yeah. It looks like it could be gorgeous. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed and tied up with tape at this point. Because, well, the thing is, it could rescue Halloween kills as being a middle piece because if it's really good then you have your halloween 2018 and it's a big long story kind of the way going back to rob zombie the firefly trilogy is a big long story or even not that it was intended to be so but even in the way the original two halloween movies were a big long story right i again i'll see it I will see it. I'm a, I'm a little bit more curious about one of the other trailers we saw, Oppenheimer, um, the birth of the atomic bomb. I am interested in seeing how that goes, especially with Christopher Nolan doing it. Right. But with Halloween Ends, I'll see it. At this point, I feel it's kind of out of obligation, but I'll keep an open mind as well. And there was that other one, too, with the, the nun and the possession. Oh, um... Pray for the Devil? Pray or? for the Devil. Is it, that, is it Pray for the Devil? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not pray as in pray for God, but pray as in devil's going to eat you pray. Yeah. It looks really good. I love possession stories. They're one of my favorite forms of horror film. And I am so jacked for this one. It looks so good. All right, Nick, time of truth. Nope. What do you rate it? 
Oh boy, I am going to give it a solid eight and a half out of ten. Okay, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. I'm going to. Um, I don't like halves if I can avoid it. I do give halves, but uh, since we're going to rate it out of ten, yes, I'm going to give it uh, an eight out of ten. Um, I liked it very much. Um, I understand people's qualms with the pacing. I do. Um, I don't mind a slow burn. At times, I think Jordan Peele did too slow of a burn at some times. Uh But overall, the effect was great, and uh, I think it was a great movie. And give it another watch, folks, um, because sometimes you get to love a movie more on a second watch. Yeah, and there's also a lot of things I'm sure people missed. Or were expecting. Well, like, if yeah, just, just one final note from me. If you look at the aliens, the quote-unquote aliens that we see, the masks that these kids are wearing actually looks like the canisters that hold the film on the cameras from Gordy's uh, home, Gordy's house, in the flashbacks, which is a neat little thing. Um, just some of the some of the details that Jordan Peele puts into this is amazing and worth so many more watches. And one final thought, just before we wrap things up, we want to wish a happy birthday to the man who we whisper his name in hushed tones here. Happy birthday, Willem Dafoe! Nick, remind our listeners how they can get a hold of us. You can find us on Twitter at the area 51H. You can find us under the same at Instagram and TikTok. And please don't forget to rate us. Don't forget to follow us. And don't forget to share us. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Thank you for joining us, aliens. That is all the time we have for this episode of Area 51 and a half. It was a long one, but thanks for sticking with us. I think that was... Yeah. yeah. Nope was so good. I know. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting, too. Like, I wish people would just stop. Like, pe- actors and directors, they have feelings. They're people. Just yep. quit. Like, Rob Zombie's a fantastic artist. Quit ripping on them. People need to learn that they don't own these people, and they just need to let them work. Absolutely. <laughs>